podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to VAR at the bar, even though we're not at the bar at the moment. Um, my name's Ant, I'm doing this podcast. I'm joined by a chap on the sofa. Introduce yourself. I am Dan. And I've got a chap rocking his best Gary Lineker in the kitchen. <laughs> my name's Chris. So obviously there's no football at the moment, but I thought what we'd do is um, we won't talk about coronavirus just yet. I thought we'd <laughs> perhaps uh, talk about the top 10 goalkeepers in the Premier League era. And I know Chris has a very exciting list for us. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like me to start with? 10 to you 6? Want- yeah, we go from number 10? Everyone go Let's round. do a 10 to 6 to start with. And then uh, Dan might oh. need to uh, get back on the sofa if he falls off. <laughs> OK. But you might At fall off the sofa 10. with my number 10, Pete. <laughs> At number 10, drum roll, I'm going with Ben Foster. OK. Number 9, I've gone with Lens Lehman. Number 8, Joe Hart. Number 7, Shay Given. I was going to say, so none of yours are on my list. <laughs> then they've gone with number six, David Seaman. Oh, interesting. Come on then, Dan. All right, so um, shaky ground with the first one. Number 10, I've gone for Neville Southall. Oh. Number nine, UC Alaska Linen. Yeah. Number eight, oh, David Seaman. What was that, number eight? Number eight, David Seaman. Yeah. Oh. Number seven, David James. Number six, David De Gea. De Gea, six. Oh. Can I just ask why Seaman's so low? (laughs) Well, you haven't seen my top five yet, have you? (laughs) So far, I've got him below De Gea and James. Now, Seaman... He's out 100%. He's Mr. Consistent. He was quite reliable. But I don't know if he's the guy that would be the amazing shot stopper, like a piece of elastic going across the goal and blocking shots that are going for the top corner. I didn't think he was special. I just thought he was very, very good. He was, he was part of the Arsenal back line, wasn't he? Just a very well, he had that protection, steady, didn't he? Steady, steady player. Nothing too sort of outrageous from him or anything spectacular. No, he's, he's, not, he's not the most imposing goalkeeper. He wasn't the best at collecting crosses. He, uh, he got lobbed. <laughs> A few times. <laughs> A couple of times from long distance, yeah. Nine. Fortunately, in very big, um, big matches as well, whether it's <laughs> for the country or, or Arsenal. What about you, Ant? What you got there, mate? Right, well, I've got number 10... Uh, it, it was tough. Um, I, I'm going to give a special mention to Mark Schwarzer. Yeah, I was going to say that. on the top ten. Me, he's my uh, number five. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Dan, you should have that It's hard. It is hard. <laughs> number ten, I've gone with Nigel Martin. Number nine, David James. Number eight, Shay Given. Seven, Joe Hart. And six, David De Gea. That's a steady one. Nigel Martin. He's played all the hasn't he? I actually had a look. And he kept 137 clean sheets in 372 games. So he's he's not a bad goalkeeper. 
No, yeah. he's right up there. You're absolutely right. Um, fair play, fair play. And I think people forget about him sometimes. Yeah, he is, yeah. he's. Yeah, I mean, he's played for a few clubs, hasn't he? What was it? Everton, Leeds, Palace as well. Yeah, he's been, did well everywhere. Probably a bit like oh, Neville yeah. Southall. I think people forget about him actually. Yeah, I thought that was one. That was a good one, there, mate, as well. Southall was he a one club, ever at Everton, and that was it, or did he in play the Premier for... League? Yes, but he did yeah. play for the clubs. Um, but yeah, what I remember is um, charging off his goal line to close down. Uh, strikers on a one-on-one situation. He was so good at that. That's what I realised about him. Very, very brave goalkeeper. Yeah. And that Rob was Rob used to do that, but with more theatrics. <laughs> <laughs> Depends whether anyone gave him some money or anything for uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Dan, let's do your top five then. Okay. So as I mentioned, my number five, I've gone for Mark Swartzler. Okay. Your number five, yeah. Dan? Uh, Pepe Reina Pepe Reina nice one I've gone with Edwin van der Sar number four Matt, uh, uh, Dan even. number four Peter Cech ooh that's quite low <laughs> I've gone for Peter Schmeichel ooh that's quite very low, low. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, then Dan Brad Friedel. Okay, yeah, uh, he's, he's another one that he didn't make the top 10, but I did look at him. Yeah, he's worth a mention, definitely. I've gone for Casper Schmeichel above his dad, above his dad, I tell you. <laughs> That's, that's controversial. <laughs> What's your reasoning there? My reasoning? Okay, so Peter Schmeichel was an excellent keeper. However, he had a fantastic defensive line. I think Casper Schmeichel single-handedly has won Leicester more games than probably Schmeichel has. Um, in this, in this, obviously, in the title-winning year, Leicester's defence was excellent. But I just think he wins more points as a whole than Peter Schmeichel did. Because when you got Bruce and Pallister at the back, it was well, a very yeah, hard defence to get past. Well, I was going to say, I didn't think he had that strong a defensive line in front of him when I thought of Bruce and Pallister. But were they that good? Mm, probably in the, the way that they played football back, back then was probably more advantageous for, for them. Um, I mean, like, for example, in the Lelic... In Leicester's relegation, you know, when you almost got relegated with the saving by Pearson, um, I thought Schmeichel really stepped up to the mark. And obviously in the league season, he's done that as well. I mean, he has gone off the ball a bit last couple of seasons. but I think he's had a quite whole... good season this year, actually, to be fair. No, I think he has. He's... I'm a Leicester fan. I watch Schmeichel a lot. He's, he's very consistent. He's an excellent... I think he's gone a bit under the radar this year. Mm. The, th- the reason why I didn't put him in my top 10 is that I know he's not great at collecting crosses. That's the reason I've not put him in my top 10. Yeah, I, I just think he's probably better than his dad. I thought his dad, as much as, as good as he was, I just think it's a different time, different era. And I don't think he would be able to do as good as my other top two on the list. That's already been named anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair enough. Uh, my number four was David Seaman, but I'm actually going to swap him and Rain around. I've decided I'm going to put Rain above him. Okay, fair enough. Good, good shout. Rain has actually kept the best percentage of clean sheets in Premiership. Really? Didn't know Apparently that. So. Yeah. Until he's even, up, even at Villa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that record might diminish quite rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> you would forget about his Villa tension. That was quite, that was as of March, the start of March, so it's quite up to date. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fair play. He was under the radar radar a lot though, wasn't he? Pepe yeah. Reina. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Go on then, Dan, what's your number three? Uh my read out my three, Brad Friedel. Oh, have you? Oh, so are we on three yeah, already? Yeah, so it's your, your three, mate. Oh, sorry, my three, uh, Van der Sar. Van der Sar. Yeah. Nice setting. Right. Go on then, Dan, number two. <laughs> my number two is Van der Sar. Fair enough. <laughs> De Hay. Okay. Uh, mine's Peter Schmeichel. Yeah, yep. fair enough. Um, go on, what's your number one then, Dan? Oh, I'll probably guess. Peter Schmeichel. <laughs> Chris? Peter Check. Yeah, I'm the same. Peter Check, number one. Yeah, I just think after everything that happened to him as well, with the kick in the head that he got, and yeah. he sort of still managed to play at a high level in the two, two, two different clubs. Yeah. Chelsea and the Guildford Flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't talking about Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> No, I heard the Guildford Flames' defence is now a lot tighter now as well. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's interesting. And I've got special mentions like you have for Loris, Swartz and Friedel. That's the ones I've got special mentions for. Didn't know whether anyone else had any others on there outside the top 10 that they were attempted to put in. No, I mean, I looked at Friedel, uh, Schwartz, uh, Jaskerlein, and uh, I think even Lehman, actually. I think he was considered. Yeah. That, that's how much scribbling I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, with Lenz Lehman, he was at Arsenal for five years. He was part of the Invincibles team, which you have to Seaman-esque. He was very consistent with what he did. And he got sort of just got the, the job done. He didn't sort of rush out like Neuer or anyone like that, but he just seemed to manage the team quite well. I did some uh, Googling just to get my facts straight on this. And it, actually, of all the names that we've mentioned, they were all on various different top tens. So oh, really? it's the title to their opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't Even think there's Foster. any massive wild cards on there. No one's picked like Peggy off out or something, have they? <laughs> Hey, he was a legend at Liverpool, mate. He won, he, us a few he, he won more trophies that. than he won than he had appearances at Liverpool. Surprised <laughs> you didn't say Casey <laughs> Keller there, Dan. No, he was, um, he was a good. I about Casey Keller. There's a reasonably good shot stuffer, but um, he wasn't really built like a goalkeeper should. He's one of those overachievers, wasn't he? Yeah. Never should have been as successful as he was. But yeah. He was a <laughs> So what was your point with the Peter Schmeichel then, number one? What did you... Peter Schmeichel. He's well, sitting up now as well, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rant's coming, the rage is coming. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I was a big fan of Schmeichel. I found he was a very imposing figure. He was very vocal. He, um, he let his, no, his defence know exactly what he wanted from him all the time. He led from the back, uh, 
which is a big unit, very good in the air, excellent shot stopper, like I say. I, I thought he was just so reliable at the back for club and country. It was excellent. How did you put De Hay? Did you put him sixth? Sixth, yeah. He's just he's had a, he had a shaky start and he's fought yeah. again. Uh, when he's been at his best, he is phenomenal. But he's been up and down too much. That's why I've put him below the likes of Swarter and Friedel. For me, they were very, very consistent for long periods of time. They're excellent shot stoppers. They were big units who could get across the goal well. I thought they were very talented and just absolute naturals winning goal. That's it's a shame, really, especially with Friedel for like Liverpool, because obviously when we brought him in, he was he didn't really do much at Liverpool, and then obviously moved on and got a lot better afterwards. It's just a shame he probably was someone that we needed to possibly push us a bit. I think further. he was I think he was twenty five when he joined Liverpool, and I think he was forty two when he retired. That's mental, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Tim Howard. I mean, you know, he was he, he sort of got better with age, didn't he? As well, another keeper that hasn't been mentioned. No. Yeah, he was a very no. good goalkeeper. I yeah. did think of him. Um, I probably should have put him in my top ten ahead of Southall, to be honest, if we're talking about the Premier League era as a whole. Because yeah. Southall's uh, playing before the Premier League era for the most part. Yeah. I yeah. think he was still playing in MLS, like last year or something, at the ripe old age of about 49 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. He just looked like one of those players that would never retire. Steve Grizovich is probably still knocking around somewhere as well. <laughs> Some pub team, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. It is hard, though. I mean, I, I sat down and did this top ten, and I instantly put Peter Schmeichel at number one. And then when I actually sat there and thought about it, I thought, no, he's, he's not my number one. I'll have Peter Cech. But they're, they're both very good goalkeepers for different reasons, and they've both done mm-hmm. tremendously well. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think most people agree they're probably the best two. Yeah. Except Chris, who put Cech down at like, number six. Oh, Dan put checking number six, didn't it? Yeah, it was me, Adam, at four. Oh, yeah. I know it's one of you. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, on my first draft, I even had Edison and Allinson. Allinson yes. Been, uh, I agree. I, I did the same thing. On my first draft, then, just on um, talent alone. Yeah. When because I of I mean, longevity. Exactly. That, that's why I, that's why I, I decided to put Hart in as much as... Obviously, recently, he's not really fallen well for him at all. He still <laughs> won two titles with Man City and he was England goalkeeper for, what, three, four years and the rest yeah. probably. Yeah. And, uh, I could, you couldn't really leave him out just because of what's happened in the last two years for him. Well, I did. Okay, right. Moving on to the more pressing topic of the moment. Um, COVID-19 and what it's done to the football (laughs) or sport in general. But we'll talk about football because that's what we do. Um, Chris, what do you think is going to happen going forwards from now? What's your opinion? Well, what I would like and what will happen is probably two different things. Um, I... They need they need to finish the season, in my opinion. Um, even if it takes until November December, you've still got hypothetically a year to do it. The year ending, seventy um, percent of the way through. 
I just think that there's too much stuff on the line for it to be just stopped now or called null and void. Um, you obviously got people's Champions League, relegation, promotion. And I just think for teams like Leeds and West Brom, who are comfortably ahead of everyone in the Champions League, for example, I just think it's unfair if they just went, well, we just null and void it and then we'll start again. Don't know about you guys, but I think that that's my, my stance on it. Dan, you're probably more neutral on this because you're not a Liverpool fan. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm a, well, as a Leicester fan, I want the season to finish because we'll get Champions League qualifications. There's a lot on the line for me. Yeah. But the problem is that um, if you look at the cycle that's set up every season in terms of television rights and revenue, there's a defined finish and start point for uh, between seasons, basically. And they need to fulfil their fixtures in order to get the uh, complete the contract, get the TV revenue. And that's why there's some talk about playing all the games in the space of two weeks or something crazy. But I'm not sure that it really, the ends just by the means when you're talking about people's safety. What I'd like to see happen is that um, the games could be played behind closed doors and then they could be made available for everyone in the public to view. I think that would cheer everyone up a bit and it wouldn't put the players at too much risk. And it certainly wouldn't put the fans at risk. That's, so that's, what, what, they, that's what they said about this mini World Cup they're having in the Midlands, isn't it? That everything will be on telly. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the thing they've got to watch out as well is because, you know, when they played behind closed doors, but it was PSG in the Champions League, and they still had loads of thousands of fans come in to watch. I think there's going to be some sort of security base to stop anyone from watching outside the stadiums as well. Well, I think we're starting to see police powers be delegated by the government. So that hopefully should take care of itself. I think there is a clear message that people have got to stay at home. I think you also have to think, though, that if, depending on how long this virus goes on for, and you've got they play these games over a short space of time, and there's going to be injuries, potentially serious injuries. You know, can they really justify getting all these nurses and doctors away from people that need virus care to deal with players and their broken limbs? Yeah. I think this is another I know thing. Isn't it? Far between, but it's still yeah. manpower. It's another thing, isn't it? With injuries, they're saying that they need time to get back into fitness, full fitness. So you'd almost be doing a pre-season as well, which might be a plus point in a way, because that means that they they be doing it will you know be longer before the matches play. I mean, I don't, I don't know really. Also, we need to be uh, they need to be unified across Europe, don't they? You can't have some teams, some leagues finishing and others not finishing because then who qualifies for the Champions League next time? Right? There needs to be a bit of consistency. And... Ultimately, the Premier League can do what they want, though. I mean, it's all very well playing all the Premier League games in the Midlands, but what about Championship and League One and League Two? Not going to stick with them in the Midlands as well, are they? Yeah. In the space of two weeks. This is it. Um... I mean, I think this is what the Premier League are doing a bit as well, that they're, they're seeing what happens around, the, I think, around other countries before making that decision, because they don't want to be the first country to do that. I mean, obviously, by the way, the epidemic, epidemic's going, it seems like Italy are going to be massively hit um, for a long time, long time through it. So I guess they'll probably be the first people to make some sort of decision on what's going on with their season. Just a minefield. I mean, 
for me, I don't think you can start the next season until this one's finished. Doesn't matter how long it takes, even if it takes up to next year. Yeah. But then, obviously, like Dan says, you've got the TV rights, and then you've got um, Liverpool changing kit manufacturers. That's going to have an effect. Players are going to be yeah. out of contract. Yeah. yeah. It's... But then there's talk about, obviously, having flexibility, aren't they, with the contracts and things like that, um, that they're going to ask. But, obviously, asking isn't on a piece of paper that they've signed, is it? You know. So I'm sure somebody would try and scram their way away out of a deal to go somewhere else for more money where they're hypothetically not getting paid to do anything. I would imagine most of the players out of contract aren't that important anyway. No disrespect to them. In the, yeah, They're not yeah. going to shape relegation and promotion stuff, are they? I wouldn't have thought. No. Unless you're Arsenal. They don't, they don't <laughs> tend to like offering new contracts. <laughs> I know it's almost weird though when you're even hearing on the news about transfer talk, isn't it? Because you know it's almost a bit bit bad, bad almost in bad taste with everything else that's going on when you're hearing, you know, oh, Alan yeah. Ramsey could be in a swap deal with Paul Pogba, and yeah. you're almost like, well, <laughs> number one point is more important things to even talk about. It's just. It's just like you said, a bit of a minefield. I don't know how they're going to get the get round it because the, it's just the time element, isn't it? That's the major factor because yeah. we don't know when everything's going to be clear. No. Um, and then how can you possibly null and void the season? It, it, it wouldn't matter who's top of the league. If, even if Man United 25 points yeah. clear, you can't null and void it. No. Not at this stage. If you're going to um, not be able to finish the fixtures, how would you guys feel about awarding Liverpool the title? Good question. It's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it would be very, it would be a weird pill to swallow. As in, yeah, we'd well, be called champions, but then you'd get people saying that there will always be that asterisk there, incompleted season. No matter what people say, you'd still get some the other fans go, you know, saying you still not won the, the title with all the games played. And I just think that it would just be a little bit of a damp squib, basically, <laughs> if they were just to stop it now and everyone stick at those places, stick at the places that there are. I'm sure that you would rather. I don't know how you would feel if Leicester still stayed third or would you rather do all the all the games and you finish there or how would no, you no, feel? No, just give me third. I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think no matter what, what happens now, it's going to be a damp squid anyway in terms of Liverpool in the league. You know, they've waited 30 years for this and there's all these dreams of them lifting the trophy at Anfield, a packed out crowd. And now it's either going to be given to them or not given to them, or Henderson listed in an empty stadium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be good. I'd enjoy that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you had Pavarotti. Yeah, was Pavarotti? <laughs> no, not Pavarotti, the other one. It's jelly. <laughs> jelly. It's jelly. I tell you, oh, I'm sure Claggett's got a lot of... Uh... A lot of mates in high places, but not that high, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. 
Uh, in all honesty, I, I'd, I'd be comfortable with Liverpool being awarded the title. They're, they're pretty much there, aren't they? I mean, I know they've lost three out of the last four games or whatever it is, but I don't think you're going to lose the rest of them. You, you only, have... dropped, okay. only dropped points in the league twice out of 20, what, beyond 29 games? Yeah, Watford and Man United. I mean, how would you feel, say, if you were a, I was going to say Norwich fan, but they're quite adrift anyway. But if you were, well, say... they're, not, they're only six points away from safety. Really? Is that all? I thought yeah, yeah. But say okay. For example, if you said you were who's at, who's at the bottom of three at the moment? We've got Bournemouth are in there. Bournemouth, Bournemouth. Watford, and or the Villa. Bournemouth, Villa, and Norwich. I yes. think. Yeah. So if you were like a Villa fan and they said, "Oh, we're stopping the season here and now," I mean, I, I, I guess can't do that. legally, I don't think. No. I think. I think if they if they were going to stop the season as it was, I don't think you could relegate anyone. No. I think you'd have to. Promote Leeds and West Brom. I have 22 teams in the Premiership. And then promote Coventry and whoever else is at Rotherham. And then there's three come up from League Two. Yeah. And that will balance out because Berry aren't in League One anymore. So that actually probably even it up. Yeah. There's also... That that just... They've played... They've not played the same amount of games... And if That's the problem, yeah. Villa got a game in hand, haven't the they? Positions. Yeah. Against Sheffield United, I think it is. Yeah, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Because of the game in hand, you can't even sort of say, oh, it's a let everyone's on played the same amount, level playing field type thing. Yeah, yeah. Really doesn't Unless work. Unless you work out some sort of average for them <laughs> <laughs> over the, the games or... That might save them though, because after seeing their performance against Leicester, that was pretty abysmal by them, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think whatever happens, it's not going to please everyone unless the, the season is completed. But then even playing it behind closed doors isn't going to please everyone. So, I think I think like what Dan said though, if they could make it available on mainstream. You know, all, like I think didn't Steve Bruce say have a like a soccer festival almost like in a month just to whack out all those games? I mean, if they did something like that, it might be good and put it free free for everyone. Then that could at least please eighty percent of the people. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it because I know there's something to do in isolation, wasn't it? Exactly, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. The only other thing we've got is your 96 rerun on ITV. <laughs> ITV Hub, I think. It was ITV Hub, oh, sorry. <laughs> I think, what is it, the, the, the England games are on ITV4, so it's all right, we can get back to that. I, I felt a bit nostalgic watching England-Croatia at the weekend. Yeah, I know, did you? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> very, very odd. <laughs> Especially the BBC website, they're acting like it was sort of a live game. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. All right. <laughs> so as right. a whole then, we're, I think we're in unison then that we want this season to be completed. Yeah, or Liverpool to win the title, either or. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me being a Liverpool fan. We come to
thought we'd do a little thing of our favourite ever Premiership game. Doesn't matter why, just for whatever reason, you know, whether it was the first game you went to, the game you most enjoyed, whatever. Uh, start with you, Chris. Right. Unfortunately, I haven't managed to get gay a just one game. I've got quite a few that I picked. So okay. I'll just briefly go through them and then, then we can go from there. Um, a lot of them seem to have happened on almost the same year, which is quite interesting. Um, the first one is Liverpool-Arsenal. That was the four-wall draw in 2009. OK, I wouldn't say I enjoyed you, that. But... Can you remember the Arshav in all four goals? I think that was about the, mm. his full <laughs> quote he ever scored against uh, anyone. Yeah. In, in, a, in an Arsenal shot. I think he did the, what was it, you, the full work, hat-trick works as well, wasn't it? Left foot, right foot and a header, I think. Possibly. I can't believe he conceded a header with a guy who was about five foot two. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, that I thought was one of the best games, as in, obviously, it wasn't a great result for us, but luckily Arsenal had a perfectly good goal um, ruled offside by Cesc Fabregas at, at the end. Thank goodness. But I just thought that was a good game, end-to-end. Good for the Good for the viewers to watch if you weren't a Liverpool or Arsenal fan. It was, yeah. Um, then I looked at another one, which was actually Newcastle Arsenal from 2011, the 4-all draw, where they came back from 4-0 down. Yeah, yeah, that was a good game, actually. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was a good, unbelievable game. Two goals by Van Persie, 4-0 um, down at half-time. Then they got Diaby sent off. Uh, a bit of Joey Barton handbags helped that out. He stayed on and uh, ended up with a last-minute equaliser by Czech Teote, if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. I remember the goal. Cool. The um, thing with that game is that it was, um, I think I'm right in saying it was a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday afternoon. Yes. Nobody got to see the full game, unfortunately. No, <laughs> again, you can you can see the full game on YouTube if you want, for nostalgia purposes. They've decided to show that on Newcastle TV. Oh, thanks for that nugget of information. I'm sure it's someone right. in a bar I'll... in Greece or somewhere at the time <laughs> was looking for a game. <laughs> Lineker's bar in Greece. Um, then we have to go with another one back from 2009, and that was Man United 1, Liverpool 4. Yeah. Vidic got sent off. We were 1-0 down from a Ronaldo penalty. Torres equalised. Then uh, Gerard scored from a penalty and did that famous kissing the camera thing. A really free kick made it three three one. Finished off by a name you won't, probably won't have heard of since by Adriana Dosena with a cheeky chip to make <laughs> it four one. What's that, mate? He went to Sunderland, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And obviously, Vidic got a red card for trying to rugby tackle Torres. Um, and then finally, um, a quick shout out for a 4-3 between Man U and Man City. Uh, that was Tevez's return when he was at Man City, first return back after he played for Man U. I mean, that was when the power shift was starting, wasn't it? The money yeah. was starting to be pumped into Man City. And they really fancied their chances, you know, instead of a one-off game to actually be title contenders, you know, they've had company playing and starting to get yeah. a really good team. Teams so, better back to Old Trafford as well. Yeah, it was just, 
I think the and uh, I think Bellamy scored a screamer. Uh, yeah, scored cut him inside and then drilled it into the top corner. That's it. And yeah. then he did an, did another where he shimmied wrap, um, round uh, Rio Ferdinand and scored from an impossible angle. Oh, but it was brilliant when Ferdinand had the ball. Um, it was in possession on the halfway line, and he just stopped the ball and yeah. tried a spoon pass. Pick up. Yeah, went straight to Man City player, and Bellamy ran through and scored. The mad thing thing about that was that he did a flick up. Bellamy got the ball. He tackled Bellamy, then lost the ball again, and then (laughs) he sort of ended up losing losing the ball about three times. Um, Two goals from Darren Fletcher in that game, and then obviously, yes, it was, and then uh, the winner by a certain Michael Owen. Yeah, six minutes into Fergie time. It was. It was. <laughs> Unbelievable. His yeah. first goal for Man United as well. And then, final game, you have to say, is Liverpool-Man City this year at Anfield. A 3-1. OK. I thought that the quality of match by both teams was fantastic. I watched that live. The pace was unbelievably hot all the way through. Mm. Fabinho scored a cracking first goal, which was dubious handball by Trent. But you have to play on. A lot of Man City players didn't bother. Then Salah doubled the lead. Then the Henderson cross in the second half gave Mane the, his first goal, 3-0. And then Silva did bring a goal back and I had a heart attack because I thought there's going to be an epic collapse. But it didn't happen. And then obviously that's where it all started between Joe Gomez and um, Raheem Sterling. Their little spat that led yeah. on to the England training camp. So I thought, as a whole, that was a very good game as well. That's oh, my good selection. Oh. <laughs> well, then, Dan, uh, let's have it. Leicester Southampton, by any chance? <laughs> I'm not going for that one, but um, I have been very biased and gone for a Leicester game, I'm afraid. One was uh, Leicester 5, Man United 3. That, that was one of my that, uh, top three, actually. Yeah. Cambiasso yeah. was amazing that game. For someone who was about 35, 36, he just covered the whole of the pitch, especially second half and that. Yeah, he was outstanding. Uh, and also, it was where we, we started to see the rise of Vardy as well. He um, he crossed for Ajoa's goal, the first Leicester goal, but um, he beat the defender and then he had to run full pelt just to get to the ball. And he was really wide on the pitch, near the corner flag. And he, he managed to whip the ball across and put it on Ajoa's head. It was Cross. And then he uh, he broke through towards the end and got a penalty after Tyler Blackett hacked him down. Oh, God, that's a name from the past, Tyler <laughs> yeah. Blackett. But it's finished his career that game, did, didn't it? Before he even <laughs> started, the poor lad. He didn't play too many games after. Um, but yeah, What's... he got a raw deal, didn't he? Played in the defence with uh, Daly Blind and Marcus Rojo in the back three. Ooh. Was that their defence? Yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, it was a rarity in that game because I think I saw Falcao score a goal for Man United. Am I right? No, he, he didn't score in that game. He played. But he, it was, was it uh, Di Maria might have scored, though, I think, wasn't it? Oh, um, he scored an amazing chip in that game. So that, quite, that was yeah. the first goal, wasn't it? He didn't score many no. goals either, did he? The first goal was uh, Falcao crossed for Van Persie. He scored a header. Uh, then Di Maria scored the chip and then Ujoa got Leicester back into the game. And then um, Ander Herrera scored after the break to make it 3-1 to Man United. But then Leicester came back with goals from uh, a David Nugent penalty. Oh. Yasso 
leveled the score shortly after, and then Vardy went through and scored for 79 minutes. Yeah, it was a pulsating game. And, and uh, to end, if I remember rightly. It was, yeah. Um, well, both teams were quite gung-ho, and some of the players that Man United had in that team, they had Rooney, Falcao, Valden Percy, Di Maria all playing. Really, Jesus! Yeah, <laughs> quite an attacking lineup. Was that under Van Hal's era as well? Van Hal was manager, yeah. Jesus, but what was wrong with him playing that many attacking players? <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't have many defenders by the looks of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I was at that match as well, and um, well worth going. That was brilliant. Did the stadium shake? Uh, yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> We'd, Leicester had only just been promoted and um, they were sort of looking for that validation that they could hang with the big boys and then when that turned around from being 3-1 down to beating Man United 5-3 you can imagine the season Any others there Dan or was that your main one? Um, let me have a look I did drop a few down uh, Going back quite a few years to the 95-96 season I went for um, Liverpool 4 Newcastle 3 game uh, that's that's two seasons on the chart. <laughs> Go on, you take over. Go on. It was the only game strength to mind for me. That game, not I think, not even being a Liverpool fan. That that game. Um, obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan. What I'm saying is, if you weren't a Liverpool fan, yeah. I think that yeah, game just um, two great attacking teams of the mid '90s just going at it. And let's face it, neither of them had a particularly good defence, which is why I ended up four three, but. I think it it was just end to end, and it was just it's just iconic, especially that that last you know that last Collymore goal. Like, Collymore, <laughs> yeah. if I remember rightly as well, he was struggling at that time as well before he got those goals, and I think it sort of pushed him along a bit. Was that when Espelia scored a couple of times for Newcastle? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think the game the year after was 4-3, Liverpool 3-0 yeah. up and then they pulled it back to 3 all. Yeah, and Fowler knocked in the game. last minute. Yeah. That wasn't quite as exciting. No. no. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the only one really that I had at the top of my list. Um Leicester Man United did come to mind though because I remember watching that. Yeah. That, that was a good game. That's probably yeah. what turned couple... turned Leicester around a little bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. I had a couple of others that were sort of honourable mentions. Um, not quite as competitive, but there were uh, landslide scorelines. One of them was Newcastle 5, Man United 0 from the 96-97 season. Yeah. Yes. Philip Helbert, that chip. Yes. Right. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a very memorable game. Um, against one of Ferguson's best teams, losing 5-0. That was a big yes. shot. Uh, nice revenge for Kevin Keegan as well. He loved it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, obviously, an honourable mention for um, Southampton Man U as well, 6-3, where Fergie blamed the, the shirts, didn't he, at oh, that yeah. time? <laughs> changed, the, changed the shirts because he said it was, they were too grey or yeah. something like that. Players a couple of years later, they beat him again, didn't they, when Taibi did that? <laughs> Howler in, in the nets. Yeah. Taibi. There's a name missing from my goalkeeper's list. Oh, yeah, damn it. <laughs> like Peter Enkelman. <laughs> uh, another couple of games one of them was Man United 8 Arsenal 2 yes I remember watching that as well I remember seeing the team sheets come out and when I saw the Arsenal lineup, I thought I think they're in trouble here 
and then <laughs> he was eight two. <laughs> I think that was a bit of reality biting back on Wenger. Can't be that arrogant for that long. <laughs> yeah, and you got to say as well, not to tarnish too many uh, Man U defeats, but Man United won. Man City five was also a famous one with the "Why Always Me." It was actually, it was actually sixth, but yeah, that's the next sixth. one I have to read out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a pretty spectacular game. Yeah. It was also when Liverpool went to White Hart Lane under Rodgers and won five nil. Yeah. Yeah. Not many teams go to White Hart Lane and win 5 0. Well, yeah. Bayern Munich, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. I was going to say um, there's a few Champions League ones. Like, uh, didn't we turn over Man City at their, their gap last year? Or yeah. the year before? I think it was about 3 1. But yeah, that definitely got a few few good ones there, haven't we? So it seems to be all, all about Man U losing. A lot of them as well. <laughs> Most people like to see Man U lose though, don't they, really? Uh, yeah, it's just a nice change. Especially, under the, especially during the Fergie era when they won so so often. It was, you yeah. know, every now and then when they lost, it's oh, great, they've lost. Fergie yeah. out. <laughs> when you do that with footballers, like he said about Leeds, and when you do things like that about a man like Stuart Pearce, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you. You can tell him now if you're watching it. We're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Okay, so uh, obviously we don't know when the season's going to come back, so we might as well pick our team of the year so far. So I thought maybe what we'll do is go through each position, um, see what everyone's put down, see what weird and wonderful things Chris has got for certain <laughs> positions. Thank you. <laughs> go on then, Chris, start us off with your goalkeeper, our best goalkeeper of the year. Well, I've got three picks. <laughs> Only need one. I know. I know. I'll go with Dean Henderson. Okay. Not Jordan Dean. What's about you, Dan? Yeah, it's a tough one. Actually, goalkeeper was the one I agonised over the most. But in the end, I went for Ben Foster. I've seen a lot of good saves from him this year, but it surprised me when I read it. He's kept nine cleat sheets this season at Watford. Wow. That is a big... Uh... I think the most that anyone's kept is 11. And he's got nine at Watford. Quite impressive. I mean, to me... Yeah. For me, it's very close between Henderson, Foster and Nick Pope. Yeah, they were my top three. Yeah. What about you, Ant? Uh, I went Henderson um, purely based on the heroics he's done and to get obviously Sheffield United where they are. A lot of, some of it, most of it is down to him as well as their attacking players. I mean, the scary thought is, which is good for obviously England, is that he's what, 22, 23? Yeah. And he would seem so like he, he's been sort of in the pro of 10 years. You know, he's just manages the goal so well. I can see him being an England goalkeeper when he does get the opportunity to for, for years to come, I think. But I don't know how old Pope is. How Does anyone know how old he is? Is he the same sort of age or are we. 
Yeah, see, I'm not a massive fan of Pickford, so either one of those two would be good to see. But I'll give Henderson the edge at the moment. Okay, so right back. Um, oh, it's a no-brainer for me. It's Trent Alexander. Trent Alexander-Arnold. As good as Trent's been, I've not actually picked Trent. Okay. I've gone for Ricardo Pereira. Oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Get him out, get him out. <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of Pereira, and uh, I, I love the way he plays. He's very aggressive and very, very controlled with his aggression. He's, he's very quick. He's reasonable in the air. He's um, got a lot of good defensive qualities, which for me give him slight edge over Alexander Arnold. Uh, going forward, he's really good at dribbling and taking players on. That's something I think he does a bit more than Alexander Arnold. But then Alexander Arnold, he's, he's more of a dead ball specialist. His crossing ability is phenomenal. It was really, really close between these two, but I just gave the edge to the world. Trent's also very good in his back garden. I don't know if you've seen. Curling balls into some barbecue like structure or something. (laughs) Nice. I mean, I've actually gone gone for a couple on each position, and I've gone for Matt Doherty as well at Wolves. Yeah, I thought he's had an outstanding season, but he's nowhere near, in my opinion, that sort of level as Trent is at the moment. He seems to just do everything, you know, mainly attacking. I mean, his defensive does has improved a bit, but still needs a bit more tinkering with, I think, to make him absolutely brilliant. But, I mean, how many assists has he got? Has he sort of got about 16, 17 odd assists this year? Oh, Trent? Yeah. Uh, I don't have the figures in front of me, but it's certainly double figures. It, it's just, um, you know, it's just unbelievable. He's, he's, a, he's an absolute godsend for um, Fantasy League Premier manager, eh? Yeah. And then strikers. Um, Does it mean you're a better defender? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's go with the middle two centre-backs. Actually, just while we're there, has everyone gone for 4-3-3 or anyone done anything a bit funky? (laughs) I went 4-3-3. Okay. Well, well, I've gone Chris Wilder, sort of. All right, fair enough. That's fine. (laughs) Any joking now, 4 3 3, yeah. Right, okay. So, yeah, the the two centre backs then. I've gone with Van Dyke and I've gone with the Leicester centre back, which I've I've put in brackets Turkish lad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Leonku. That's the boy. I think both of them have just been as about the best two de- defenders this year. Full stop, I think. Well, I've actually gone for Van Dyke and Leicester centre back, but I went for the other one. I went for Johnny. Morgan. <laughs> no, not Morgan. <laughs> Johnny Evans. <laughs> yeah. for Johnny Evans. I, I went. I went Van Dyke, um, and then I put I put Gomez down purely because. The only time that him and Van Dyke have not played together this season, we've like, every time they've played that Liverpool have won. Yeah, been against the Man Mountain of Troy Deeney and well, know, I know, I know. But then I did put in brackets Oyonku. Um I'm, I'm torn as to whether I drop Gomez or Van Dyke. <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? I think 
Sionku's had a f- fantastic season. He's absolutely, you know, he's whatever's happened in pre-season, he's sort of stepped up. His level has just gone up to the like, highest calibre. You've had teams like Man United sniffing around in Man City. Um, and his performances have matched the top top class team. And I think obviously he's assisted to England, to England, to Leicester's uh, third place position at the moment. And obviously Van Dijk is, you can see what difference he makes to Liverpool if he doesn't play. Yes, yeah, or a contender, he's, he's world class. Absolutely. I think Who's given that Soyonku had to step into Harry Maguire's boots the start of the season. I don't think anyone really gave him a chance. I think he's done a tremendous job for Leicester. He's, I was he's... raving about him all last season. I'm sure you were, Dan. Not <laughs> many other people probably knew about him last season. <laughs> I mean, I just think that the only thing that you could probably say about him is he he likes a, a good tackle, but sometimes he slides, he rushes into a challenge maybe a bit too much. But that's only his little bit. But, he's, yeah, you're right. He's, he's been great this season. He's uh, he's really aggressive, which is uh, almost uh, something that seems to be dying out of the game. Mm. He um, he closes people down and he marks them really tight. He doesn't want to let forwards play. That's what I like about uh, Sawyer. He's very old-fashioned, isn't he, as well, I think. Yeah, but a bit of a throwback. Well. Yeah, mean, play. yeah, he's good on the ball. I mean, it's just like, just going back to Van Dyke though, you know, you see, say, a ball goes into the box and it's almost like it's, it's magnetically attached to him. He just seems to get to everything. It's no you accident. Know. It's uh, not just heading ability, it's positioning. He, he reads That's it. And, I mean, I know he's, pace, he's quite pacey as well for centre-back, but he's just, I just don't get it sometimes, like, is the way he gets to the ball. And you just see him one side of the the box and then he suddenly gets to the other side just almost like I don't know how he gets there to be honest most of the time but it, I tell you it's been about the best 75 million that Liverpool have ever bought on a player <laughs> yeah yeah definitely okay what about left back uh, are you going to pick Chilwell <laughs> I have picked Chilwell Robertson. I've gone with Robertson and recently Saka of Arsenal. I was, yeah, I've picked Robertson. How many Robertson, games has Saka played? About two. He's played about <laughs> eight or nine, hasn't he, at left back? I had, I had Saka on my mind. Special mention him, definitely. I think a lot of the Arsenal fans speak highly of him as well. Mm. So. Yeah, it seems like he's a bit of a revelation in that position. Oh, yeah. And he's English, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Robertson speaks for himself, really, doesn't he? His work rate is second to none. He's the yeah. Scottish Cafu. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Dan, let's, let's, have your, let's have your midfield three, then. Right, well, um, I might have not... I've not picked, uh, like, a formation... Three, but I've I've gone for the three midfielders which I think are the best this season. Yeah. I've gone for Kevin De Bruyne, Saido Mane, Jack Grealish. Okay, so you're classing Mane as a midfielder? Uh, yeah, front of the diamond. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, fair enough. Oh, I, I did my front. <laughs> <laughs> Centre forward, is it? Have you got? Well, I had him. I had him as oh, like one of the two. 
two wingers. Two wingers. I think he's on a lot of people's lists anyway. <laughs> I would have put Grealish on my list, but after his uh, out of sorts uh, <laughs> performance at the weekend, I might have taken him out. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got to be honest, a whole array of players. De Bruyne, I've gone, I've gone here. Henderson, Jordan Henderson, manhandled the midfield at times when they needed that little kick up the arse, and I think he's been outstanding. I've also put in Madison, and then I've got special mentions for um, Torre, Wolves, because he's just an absolute animal. Oh, Traore. That's right. Oh, sorry, yeah, Traore. I mean, you're then. I didn't know he'd come out of retirement. <laughs> he's been outstanding for Wolves, hasn't he? He's just an absolute man-mountain. He seems to have progressed a lot more better with his passing and um, shooting. I mean, he just seems to be gone up a level from before. And I've actually put special mention for Fernandez at Man United. I know he's not only just come, but he's hit the ground running. And I think he will be an important player for them at some point. And that's it. Okay. I had De Bruyne, Jordan Henderson, Jack Grealish. Um, and I'm going to give a special mention. I don't even know if he is a midfielder because it's Sheffield United player. They play everywhere. Uh, Lundstrom. I've got that down as well. Got that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought he deserved a special mention, but then he keeps on getting dropped, doesn't he? Or he keeps on coming on as a sub anyway. Super sub. Well, he, he wasn't their star player last year, and then he started the season, this season, running, and he obviously kept his place in the team, and then Wilders decided to mix up again. <laughs> yeah. But he picks his... No one can determine what formation Wilder picks, so it's a complete yeah. mystery. That, that's it. That, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the best thing. If no one can tell it, then <laughs> how do you play against it? Oh, exactly. That's probably why they're doing so well, because no one can decide what formation he's going to pick. Exactly. Right, can I just what... ask why you put Madison in? Yeah, I think he's been a bit underrated, to be honest, this year. Um, I think he's... I've seen him in a, quite a few Leicester games this year, and I thought he's been he's been good. The only problem is he... he Pops in and out a lot of games, but that that will come with age. I think he'll improve. I put him in the same sort of style as Grealish. Um, I find him he's a very much he's eloquent on the ball. He asks for the ball a lot more, and he, he doesn't chase after it. He's got other players for that for that sort of role. You got your Barneses who can chase chase down balls, and I just find that he's the heartbeat of the midfield. And dead ball, I mean, I haven't seen it. He's a fantastic free-kick taker and corner taker as well. Um, yeah, that's my, my reasoning. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. He has been very good. And there's more to come, I think. I think so. I don't think he's quite ready for that next step. But I think next year, whenever next year will be, <laughs> <laughs> um, or the break after... Um, I think he'll be he'll be definitely knocking on that door, especially now after Grealish has managed to balls it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have your front three then, Dan. Well, one of Chris's honourable mentions I've actually picked as a forward. Uh, I've gone for Adama Traore. Mm. Okay. 
as yeah. a wide forward. Um, another player that's uh, been playing a bit, he's been playing wide every now and then, is uh, Aubameyang. Yeah. He was one of my forwards. He's got, he's gone a little bit under the radar with the amount of goals he's got this season in a shaky Arsenal team. He did that last year, though. He's yeah. only one goal behind Salah. In yeah. The Premier League. Unbelievable, isn't it? How he just goes under the radar. He, if you look at his stats, they're outstanding wherever he's yeah. played. And yet, yeah, it's not hard to see why the likes of Barcelona are sniffing around him. But the, the weird thing about it is that they say that he's got bad attitude and things, but he's still banging in the goals. It's just, I guess he, he likes any evidence of his bad attitude on that. No, list. that's what I mean. And Arsenal are letting in three or four goals. He's still working hard and keeping his head down, isn't he? He's, uh... I know. That, I don't get it where, where they get this from, unless it's just papers, just being papers, just trying to make something of it or. Yeah. I don't know, but he, he seems to talk the talk, doesn't he? You know, he's averaging 20-odd goals a season and, you know, he'd be, he's, he'd be very good in most teams, just not in Liverpool. Liverpool's at the moment, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... Go on, Chris. Oh, this one's been a hard one, mate, I'll be honest. I've got one more striker, by the way. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so many names. Sorry, go on, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've gone for Vardy. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Can't argue he went that. seven games in a row scoring. Uh, didn't quite beat his own record, but uh, he's been he's been um, he's been playing really well. He's changed the way he plays as well. He's playing a lot more through the middle of the pitch, and he's getting more service from the likes of Tillemans and Madison. He's running onto those balls, and he's looking more like your archetype of a number nine now. He's um, improved his game, which is impressive as a thirty-three year old. He doesn't seem to show any signs of aging, does he? No. No, no, it's incredible. Right then, I was going to go with Rivardi. I've got a whole list here, but we have to say Sterling has to be on there as well. I mean, first half of the season, he was really good. He's just gone off the ball recently. Um, then it, I'm going to have to go with Bobby Firmino. He's, he seems to be the, the man whenever Liverpool play badly or anything happens. For example, Wolves, we deserve to lose away, the away game there. Pops up, somehow gets the ball, fits the ball from an impossible position, makes some, some room and scores the winner. I mean, he's done that so many times in the past couple of years. And I just think he deserves a lot more credit. It seems to always go a bit to Salah or Mane at the moment, but... I just rate him more highly than I do Mane and Sado at the moment. I can I can see where you're coming from. Um, I, just, I, I, I love Bobby F as much as every other Liverpool fan. And he's a fantastic player, and like you said, he's the gel between the front two. But he hasn't scored at home this season, hasn't he? No, <laughs> he's not scored an Anfield goal all season in any competition. I, I did think as, as a front three is. He scored at the Champions League. worrying. Oh, did he? Okay, well, there's yeah. one goal then. That's it. Yeah, I played Madrid before we uh, capitulated. You're right, uh, actually, yeah. But they did say that was his first goal at Anfield this year. I thought they meant calendar year. I didn't actually think they meant... No, it's this, whole this season. season which... And then I've got honourable mentions for an ex-Liverpool player, Danny Inks. Um, great season for Southampton at the moment. And I've also gone Raul Jimenez, Wolves. Yeah, 
the best header, headers of the ball I've seen. And his footballing brain is fantastic. From what I see, he works fantastically well with Torre up top and uh, Jota. And I think he doesn't get enough credit that he deserves. That's fair enough. Very good season. Yeah, great player. I went with Mane, Vardy, and I did have Salah slash Jimenez down, but <laughs> I've made the decision. I'm going. I'm going to go with Jimenez. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, I think he has gone under the radar a little bit, and I think Salah can be very greedy at times. Yeah, I, fa- I found that sort of at the turn of the year, Salah's got very more, a lot more greedier. Um, He's had a good season, Salah has, but I think if he passed the ball a bit more, I think it could have been a lot better for him and for us as well, even better. And I had, an on, I had another honourable mention of Aguero because he's what, yeah. 32 and he's still banging in goals left, right and centre. <laughs> I just yeah. wish he'd lead the Premiership. <laughs> no, as great as he is to watch, as, as a neutral, but... Have it, have him at Anfield every week. He won't score. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, well, yeah, no point signing him. He won't score though. It's <laughs> a random stat. Do you know which striker has the most uh, shots on target this season? Is it going to be something weird? Uh, not weird, but unexpected. Joe Linton. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's uh, Anthony Martial. Wrong. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million Sundays. Everyone always criticises him for his shooting. <laughs> I don't think Joel Linton's had a shot all season, has he? Well, on target, no. <laughs> Goal! Yes, 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 yes! Yes! That was a goal! Right, quiz time. Ooh. I know you've been excited for this. Six questions. You know the score. I'm going to name some clubs that a player has played for and I want you to guess who they are. First player. Started at Standard Liège, then went to Marseille, then Chelsea, then Dortmund on loan, Valencia on loan, and he's currently at Crystal Palace on loan. Jesus. Um, I'm looking forward to Chris pronouncing him. I'm stumped. You think this one's hard? You wait till you get the next one. All right, here we go. I'm guessing he's Belgian. He's kind of a forgotten man. Yes, I know who you mean. Batiswari. Yeah, that'll do. I'll take that. Batiswari. The one that got kicked in the boys' regions by uh, Maguire. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. This guy started at Leeds. Then he went to Liverpool. Then he went to Sheffield Wednesday on loan. Charlton on loan. Villa on loan. He then ended up at West Brom before he had spells at Boraspor, Wigan, <laughs> Derby. He's currently at Man City. Jesus Christ. Um, Scott Carson. Yeah. 
Come on, come on, Dan. You need to pick yourself up here. You're losing 2 0. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This guy started at Lincoln, then he went to Newcastle. He then went on loan to Millwall. And he then played at Coventry, Leeds, Man City, Nottingham Forest, oh. Norwich. And he finished his career in San Jose Earthquakes. <laughs> He's a well-known player. <laughs> San Jose. And he's retired now. Yeah. yeah. You pick some good think, ones. Think Coventry, Leeds, City, Norwich. Darren Huckabee? Yeah, well done. Well, good shout. Back in at 2 1. Okay. Ipswich, Charlton, Tottenham. No. Aaron Burns? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say Marcus Ben? I got the Ben mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> That's for something, Ant. <laughs> Two all, two two questions to go. Uh, this guy started at Preston. He then went to Darlington, Blackpool, Wickham, Swindon, Leeds, Bolton, Fulham, Wolves, Leeds again, Middlesbrough, Rochdale, Liverpool. <laughs> And did on again. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, this guy, uh, he started at Chester before going to Liverpool. He then had a spell at Juventus before coming back to Liverpool. Ian Rush? He then played for, yeah. Very good. Oh, three all. Oh, I need tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with me. Oh, he's doing a tiebreaker as well. Oh, he's got a name. He's got to look at the clubs. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's written it down and thought, I might need it, but I don't think I will. All right. I'm going to go backwards with this one. Oh, okay. Just to mix it up a bit. So he ended at Bolton. Before that, he was with Newcastle Jets, Aston Villa, Wigan, Birmingham, Liverpool. Robbie Fowler. No. Dan? Uh... What were those last three again? So he started at Bolton, yeah. Newcastle Jets, yeah. Aston Villa, Wigan, Birmingham. Bear in mind we're going backwards. Emil Heskey. Yeah, very good. Oh, well done. Oh, okay. There we it's go. That concludes up. our oh. uh, COVID-19 2-0 down. VAR in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Part one. 
<laughs> Who knows where we'll be for the next one? <laughs> Probably in isolation. In Probably some trench somewhere. <laughs> we may hear Matt's dulcet tones again at some point. Hopefully where we are. Yeah, let's hope. That's uh yeah, that's it from us. Um and uh, next time I think you got uh Dan presenting. Oh, you're yep, leading I'll give it a go. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure we'll find something. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure we can go go into the second thing that we talked about again in a bit more detail. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there is one last thing I want to mention. Um, just a quick update on Pardue Gate. Oh, yeah. Pardue oh. Watch. As far as I'm aware, he's not got COVID-19. Oh, that's the unfortunate. The update I have for Alan Pardue. <laughs> Has he been tested? <laughs> I think he's still in the job as well. Just about. <laughs> well, if they're not playing, they're not losing. So That's it. By the skin of those teeth. He's been furloughed. He's on 80% of his salary. <laughs> yeah. Well, 8%. They've taken the zero off that. <laughs> right. So on that note, it's goodbye until next time. Yeah. See ya. Next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.